This is KPFK 90.7 FM. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. You're listening to KPFK 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. The time now is 6 p.m. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. This is KPFK Rebel Alliance News. Good evening. I'm Angela Birdsong. We are in our fund drive, our membership drive, that allows you to vote in the upcoming elections that might determine the future of KPFK as a lean, mean fighting machine of uncensored news and inspiration as opposed to sounding like other news outlets. With at least a donation of $25 gives you the right to vote in our elections. For a donation of $250, you would get the right to vote in the Voices That Change the World premium USB flash drive that has about 1,300 hours of historical speeches of revolutionaries, visionaries, and activists who worked for the betterment of this country and the world compiled by the Pacifica Radio Archives, now available for the very first time on a single USB stick, 64 gigabytes. Donate at kpfk.org. Here are today's headlines. Reconnecting with with our uh, African heritage in our final segment on the way you see multimedia arts bringing healing from the arts during Juneteenth with Her Royal Highness Nina Womack. Biden's chances for re-election. NATO holds military exercises in Germany near the Italian border. Political and economic leaders from the Islamic Republic on a tour of the Latin, Latin American and Caribbean region and the community calendar highlighting local Juneteenth celebrations. All this and more coming up. In last week's L.A. County Board of Supervisors meeting, a recommendation Agenda item number 15, as submitted by L.A. County Supervisor Lindsay Horvath, to advocate in support of Assembly Constitutional Amendment 4 legislation, which would provide voting rights to individuals that are incarcerated, including sending a five-signature letter in support of the bill to Assembly Member Isaac Bryan. In 2020, over 5.1 million citizens in the United States were prohibited from voting because of their contact with the criminal legal system. In California, this included over 50,000 black people and over 77,000 Latinos alone. The rates of these legal barriers to civic participation and social engagement are shocking. Black men are disenfranchised at a, ten, at a rate of 10 times that of white men, black women at a rate five times greater, Latino and Native American men at a rate double of that of white men, according to the motion by the city council, but by the city um, board of supervisors. This disenfranchisement also proportionally impacts our veterans, many of whom return to civilian life with visible and invisible trauma and face a likelihood of becoming unhoused and arrested at a rate that is significantly higher than the general public. California currently has 7,000 veterans who are denied their voting rights because they are incarcerated. The California Constitution currently disqualifies people who are incarcerated in state or federal prison from voting and restores the right upon their release. The law previously required felons to complete their parole to complete the parole period before getting back their right to vote. Californians approved the change to get rid of that requirement in a 2020 constitutional amendment. Data shows that people who vote 
while incarcerated and shortly thereafter are 50% less likely to ever be arrested. You can view the County of Los Angeles Board of Supervisors weekly agenda on their website at bos.lacounty.gov. Nationwide, while violence against many ethnic and racial groups has declined, violence against black women skyrocketed. In the city of Los Angeles, black women comprise 4.3% of the population, yet account for 25 to 35% of all female violence victims. According to the city's Civil and Human Rights and Equity Department, from 2011 to 2022, black women accounted for one-third of female homicides, nearly one-third of all missing women, and over 22% of female rape victims. Further hate crime analysis fails to adequately capture violent crime against black trans and gender expansive individuals who also suffer high rates of homicide, domestic violence, and sexual violence. Despite these devastating trends, there are no dedicated city programs, initiatives, or outreach platforms to address these high rates of violence and trauma among black women and girls. In response to the city of L.A.'s lack of accountability to its black female identifying and black gender expansive communities, the Standing for Black Girls Coalition is calling for increased funding and support for prevention, education, mental health, youth leadership initiatives and youth centers that center the needs of black girls and youth. Standing for Black Girls will hold a press conference Thursday, June 22nd, 10 a.m. at L.A. City Council District 8's Constituent Service Center, 8475 Vermont Avenue in Los Angeles. Check out womensleadershipla.org for more info. The the California Department of Social Services Refugee Programs Bureau reports that nearly 2,000 refugees arrive in L.A. County within the past five years. Declaring June as Refugee Awareness Month at their June 6 public meeting, the Board of Supervisors acknowledged the plight of families forced to flee their home countries due to religious and political persecution, war, and civil unrest. In observance of Refugee Awareness Month in the County of Los Angeles, the Department of Public Social Services, DPSS, is highlighting the contributions of immigrants that make L.A. one of the strongest and culturally diverse counties in the nation. DPSS is ensuring that immigrants are informed about the many vital programs and services available to them through the department's Greater Avenues for Independence, which provides employment-related services to help participants find and sustain employment and move on to higher-paying jobs. The Refugee Forum of L.A., will host an event on June 20th to observe World Refugee Day to raise awareness about the plight of refugees around the world. The event will feature an exhibit, community resources, and a valuable presentation on public charge. The event will take place from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the Grand Park Olive Court and Lawn in downtown Los Angeles. This year's theme is Building a Brighter Future. Los Angeles County Supervisor Hilda Solis on Biden's chances for re- for re-election. Dan McQuarrie brings us the story. This is Dan McQuarrie for Working Voices Radio, KPFK, and I'm talking to Supervisor Hilda Solis and about uh, Joe Biden. Uh, what are Joe's chances, do you think, coming uh, into this uh, race? Well, I think he's going to do very well. He's always under... He's always been underestimated, but he's one of these comeback kids, but he's not a kid. He's, he's very well positioned. He's had a lot of successes in two and a half years. The infrastructure bill, he's helped to, to lower prescription drugs. As you know, $35, I mean, this is incredible. And also working very hard to make sure that we put forward executive orders since we don't have Congress going along with us because they're controlled by the Republicans, is to carry out executive orders to push back on assault weapons and making sure that we stop that. And also starting to look more heavily right now at resolving our debt issue, our debt, which is very important, and getting more judges 
right? Appointed. So I think we have some good we have some good wins there. He's done a lot for labor. I've never seen anyone in all the times in the years that I've been involved in politics to see what he has done. I'm speaking out for him because I'm a part of his, I'm his appointee for the Democratic National Convention, hmm. but I've also been appointed as one of his um, surrogate speakers to represent him on the uh, what they call the Biden Harris Campaign National Advisory Board, and there are 50 people that have been assigned to talk about his accomplishments and to, and to rally support and get our young people, our, our uh, labor unions, our women's, our environmental groups, and all at LGBTQ, obviously. Now, uh, he's been taking some heat from the progressives because they don't consider him progressive enough. Uh, do you see that changing? I think, I think what we need to concentrate on is making sure that we get good leadership and that we take back the House. Anyway, we're, we're, we're not doing too bad, right? right? I mean, we're down five. We need to pick up seven or eight seats. We know we can do some of that right here in California. So we need to be focused on winning that. Once we get that, he doesn't have to worry about getting tied up with the Senate and also with the, with the House of Representatives. We can get rid of McCarthy. But I think we have to be united. And we need all the people that came out to vote when he originally got elected in 2020. We did very well then. We had the best turnout in terms of young people, progressives, women. And I think women are the secret weapon because of the abortion issue. Because it's, it's uh, ludicrous what the Republicans are trying to do to take away 50 years of Roe versus Wade. I mean, that's ridiculous. They do seem to be making some serious missteps with, with the American public. So, uh, and reform, action. reform in a lot of areas, and yeah. whether it's with uh, more liberal spending on education, uh, Social Security, you know, making sure that that and our uh, Affordable Care Act really reaches everybody. You know, there's many states that have, uh, Republican run states that are not partnering with us on this. So we have people suffering. It's our opportunity to go out there in the battleground states and get those people mobilized. And a lot of them are men and women from the suburbs. And some of them, uh, you know, voted for, unfortunately, the other guy. We need to bring those people back home because I think they, if anything, uh, realize the difference that it's not just about ideological, it's about pocketbook issues, it's about the quality of life and having good, uh, a good future and funding that's adequate to sustain our infrastructure, our hospitals, our clinics, our childcare centers, and especially assistance in the health arena for all, for all of our families, working families. Thank you very much, Hilda. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. Last week, Her Royal Highness Nina Womack discussed her most recent project for the upcoming Juneteenth weekend celebration with the Way You See Arts exhibit, Healing the Legacy of Slavery Through the Arts. Today, Womack speaks of her reconnection to her African heritage. Tell us about your special reconnection to our African heritage and your given title of Her Royal Highness. Okay, yes, absolutely. Um, I uh, got my degree in theater like 20, 30 years ago, and I minored in black history. So ever since graduating from college, I've promoted uh, Pan-African culture, you know, putting on events, doing documentaries about it and so forth. So uh, because I have been here in Los Angeles promoting African culture, some community members in Africa had been observing me on social media for years. And so one of them actually invited me to come to Ghana in 2021 to become inducted as a queen mother. And um, in Africa, they have the royal royalty system. So you have chiefs and you have queens. They're uh, usually called nanas in, in Ghanaian culture, but the American version is queen mother or queen for short or king. Um, so I went to Ghana 
and they installed me. I had a big ceremony in my village, which is called Ikumfi Asacher in the central region of Ghana. We have maybe about 50,000 people in that community. And so thousands came out and supported me with that installment. I was adopted into the royal family. So I'm really honored for that. And let me just um, start off by letting you know, too, that the royalty system in Ghana, in Africa, is a bit different than what you would think of you would perceive like in Europe. They are the the leaders, the community leaders that look after the community, that the community comes and talks to them about their problems. They help solve issues, disputes between one person or another. So the community trusts them more than, say, the government, and because there's a lot of problems with the governments in Africa. So that is basically what I am, is a traditional leader in Africa who is there to bring development to my community, to oversee the community and make sure that the people are happy and have their needs met. So I'm honored to bear that title. My stool name is Nana Ajawa Akwesiwa I. And here in America, many of us could not pronounce that or remember that. So I'll go by Queen Mother Nina, my American name. You've been holding this title for how long now? Since 2021. So that's been uh, two years now, two years. I've been going back and forth to Africa for about three years and um, building bridges. And I feel like my story is symbolic of this reconnection of us going back to the past on that Sankofa journey and reconnecting with our family that we were stolen from, from Africa. So, you know, I got initiated into the royal family to legitimize my uh, installment as a queen. Is this where you got part of your art exhibit, The, the Doors of No Return? Yes, yes, yes. I was... Um, a friend of mine is a Ghanaian chief, and so he happened to acquire a pair of the original doors from the Doors of No Return from the Cape Coast Castle, and uh, this was back in 2002. And they were, some maintenance workers were about to throw out the doors because they were deteriorating. You could imagine from the 1600s, they were falling apart. And so he was walking by one day in Cape Coast and he asked the maintenance guys, like, what do you plan on doing with those doors? Because they were on top of some trash next to the castle. And so they said, oh, we're going to burn them for firewood because they're old and they're falling apart. And he said, no, please, you can't burn the doors. Let me take them. So he took the doors and they've been on um, exhibit throughout the United States ever since. Tavis Smiley had the doors in his possession at one point and he was doing an exhibit called America I Am and then that retired I think in 2012 or so and so now uh, I have possession of the doors here in Los Angeles and we'll be exhibiting them at this event and I'm very honored to let Los Angeles see the actual pair of doors and feel that catharticism. If you know anything about people who have traveled over to Ghana and went into the dungeons when they're in there and they see their those doors it's a cathartic experience where they cry because they can feel the pain that their ancestors that the Africans went through and so um, I'm sure they'll have that same experience seeing them live and in person here in LA. Yeah, you're right about that. My mother, she traveled to West Africa and she was actually was in that dungeon everyone that was there she said even including the men cried yes cried. I cried. it was very emotional I cried I cried I, I it was so painful exactly but again we have to work through that pain so we can get to the happiness and so we can't be afraid to confront our past tell us one more time about the way you see legacy of slavery when it's um, taking place and how do we um, get updates on it 
Sure. Um, it is going to open on Friday, June 16th. We'll have an opening reception with free hors d'oeuvres. It's a free event for the whole entire weekend uh, because it was sponsored. But um, it's going to be from 7 to 10 on Friday the 16th, also 7 to 10 on Saturday the 17th, and then um, Sunday the 18th, the last day, there's only a matinee showing, which will be from 2 to 5 p.m., and that's the end of it. Okay. Is there a website where we can find you? Yes. They can find more information at legacyofslavery.com. Again, legacyofslavery.com. Excellent. Excellent. And one, my very last question, what's next? What's next is um, I am very well connected with community members and organizations throughout Africa. I'm working with about 13 African countries in West Africa and in East Africa, South Africa, and we have been discussing and planning on doing global trade with the diaspora in Africa. So my next project is to educate our black community here in America, especially here in California, about uh, global trading and how to do it so we can start trading with our brothers and sisters in Africa. The Europeans uh, mastered the art of of global trade so much that they even sold um, humans. So um, we need to get that education. We need to know how to trade with one another. Goods and services. I have two businesses in Africa. Uh, One is my media company. I opened up a division in Nigeria and also uh, an agriculture company in Nigeria and Uganda. So um, we want to do global trade, you know, ship food products to each other. I'm already doing the services that's global trading, and that's that's the next project because that is going to build our economic development as people uh, of Afro Afro descendants. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, um, that is what's next. And I want you guys to go to the legacyofslavery.com website. I'm very thankful to our supporters, our funders. Um, take action for LA. I'm sure you may have seen billboards everywhere and their posters on the buses and so forth because they are helping support us um, activate these events around mental health awareness. I'm Angela Birdsong reporting for KPFK Rebel Alliance News. Wayusi Arts Exhibit Hours are Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., and Sunday, the 18th, 2 to 5 p.m. at ArtShare LA, 801 East 4th Place in the Arts District in downtown Los Angeles. Find updates at LegacyOfSlavery.com. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. This is Stanley Clark. Free Speech Radio can't survive without your generous support. Become a KPFK sustaining member now by pledging $1 a day at kpfk.org. Become a sustaining member. Your donation is tax deductible and membership has its privileges. I am a member, so join me, Stanley Clark, in keeping independent radio alive. Donate to KPFK at kpfk.org and do it today. I am Angela Birdsong, and you are listening to KPFK Rebel Alliance News. And I am a member also. Yes, become a sustainer, giving you the consistency in your membership with us. Go to kpfk.org and pledge securely online or call 818-985-5735 and press 2. And remember, for a donation of $250, you will receive the Voices That Changed the World, a USB flash drive full of Pacifica archive goodness, over 1,000 hours of historical speeches of revolutionaries, visionaries, and activists who worked for the betterment of this country and the world. There are about 11 categories describing this extraordinary premium. Some include the student free speech movement at UC Berkeley during the 1964-65 academic year, and also there's a Grammy Restored 
recordings on there also. There's so much stuff on there. I can't even talk about all of it within this time period that I have on the KPFK Rebel Alliance News. But please go to kpfk.org and secure your pledge safely online. And you can also, like I said, for a donation of $250, you will receive the voices that change the world. You can share this with your family over over the holidays, over the summer break, just whenever you want to with, with the schools. It's, it's something worth getting and having in your own personal archive. Iran's president is heading a delegation of political and economic leaders from the Islamic Republic on a tour of the Latin American and Caribbean region. Don DeBar has more. The relationship between Iran and Venezuela is not a normal diplomatic relationship. That was the president of the Islamic Republic of Iran, Ibrahim Raisi, speaking in Caracas, Venezuela, on the first leg of his three-nation Latin American tour. It is a strategic relationship in which the two countries have common interests and common visions. We also have common enemies. He and Venezuela's president, Nicolas Maduro, signed more than two dozen agreements dealing with such issues as information and communications technology, energy, petrochemicals, maritime transportation, agriculture, medicine, and mining. This was Venezuela's President Maduro. We are on the right side of history, and together we will be invincible. For more on that, we go to Sao Paulo-based journalist Camilla Escalante, who was currently on assignment in Toronto, and Stephen Sefton in Esteli, Nicaragua. Stephen, Camilla, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Um, tell us more about that. Well, we're on the third day of a tour, a Latin America tour, by uh, the president of the Islamic Republic of Iran, Ibrahim Raisi. And he started off in Venezuela. He then uh, went to Nicaragua, and he'll be headed for Cuba later on. And he's on a five-day trip, official trip, and he's being received with great honors in all three of these countries, which are three strategic allies, but also very close friends of Iran. And, of course, Iran has become increasingly important for these three governments um, and these three countries generally. It's important to say that Venezuela has stressed multiple times that through, you know, the you know, artificially imposed and induced crisis that they experienced because of the hundreds of unilateral course of measures, the sanctions that the U.S. and its allies imposed on Venezuela in the last few years, that Iran was always there and provided a lot of assistance to the country and helped uh, with the recovery of its important oil sector, but also helped in other ways as well. And so we're seeing the president and, of course, the first lady of Iran and a delegation, which includes the foreign minister, among other um, top government officials, sign uh, numerous um, um, MOUs, a lot of agreements, and look towards deepening uh, that strategic relationship with those key countries with, and that goes without saying that, you know, they're also Iran is also uh, broadening its relationship with some other countries that are not on this uh, on this trip this time. But, you know, they're looking to improve ties in science and technology, even culturally. It was very uh, it was very nice to see that the first lady was able to meet with Celia Flores, a member of the parliament of Venezuela, also the first lady. Uh, who what they call the first combatant in Venezuela, uh, yeah. their friends. Celia was able to go previously to Tehran on that trip. And so, you know, it, it's a, a huge show um, of, the, of the closeness of this friendship, um, which, uh, you know, hasn't been impeded by uh, any of the attacks, and they have worked together, Iran and these three countries, to overcome a lot of these sanctions. And he said, uh, President Raisi, in these different uh, speaking opportunities, uh, so far in Venezuela and Nicaragua, that the Iranian nation, as well as Venezuela, as well as Nicaragua, have turned uh, U.S. threats and the sanctions into opportunities, and they've yep. been able to overcome uh, the imperialist threats in large part. So I think it's interesting, you know, the uh, dialectic that's operating here, and that in essence, the United States has created a condition of a strategic alliance mandate 
uh, for all of these sanctioned countries. And the list grows every day. And they're, in essence, painting themselves into a corner, ultimately. This is an inevitable outgrowth of trying to shun people out of the global economy and the global order. Yeah, we we spoken about this a lot in past conversations, Don. And it's important to remember that um, back in 2007, in um, Daniel Ortega's, uh, when Daniel Ortega was inaugurated as uh, president. Um, uh, of Nicaragua after winning the elections in 2006. At his inauguration, um, uh, President uh, Amani, Amani, Ahmadinejad, who was then president of Iran, uh, participated along with President Hugo Chavez um, yep. and also a representative from Cuba. Yep. And so it, it, the, the, this relationship that the four countries have had, um, Iran, uh, Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela is a, a, a long-standing relationship, and it's based on a very uh, strong relations of solidarity and affinity, affinities of all kinds. And I think those affinities have deepened, as, as you say, as a result of it's brought them closer together as a result of the uh, illegal coercive, uh, coercive measures applied not just by the United States, but also by the European Union. And Iran's case, and in Iran's case, um, it's had a similar effect to the effect of the sanctions on the recent, more recent sanctions against the Russian Federation, because Iran has actually strengthened its economy. It's strengthened its technological and scientific um, uh, autonomy. And it's that that technological and scientific autonomy is one of the key uh, components of the visit that President Ebrahim Raisi um, is making at, at the moment. Um, and uh, of course, it, it may, may be worth pointing out to people who, who don't know or don't remember that the Iranian revolution took place in February of 1979 and the Sandinista revolution took place in July of that same year. So they, th they think of themselves as twin revolutions. And the fundamental thing about Rice's visit is I, I think this is absolutely fundamental for the whole region is that um, all four countries uh, are focused on prioritizing the needs and aspirations of the human person in right. their population. They're not focused on corporate profit. This They're is the point of argument with the uh, imperial regime, basically. Yeah, and you can see the contrast with the uh, visit that's currently taking place with um, Ursula von der Leyen of the president of the European Union. It's worth pointing out, um, as Camilla mentioned, that Iran is also developing its relationships with other countries in uh, Latin America and the Caribbean. For example, it's recently opened up two important banks um, in, in Brazil, and there'll be a high-level delegation from Iran visiting Brazil later in the year. And it's worth remembering that Brazil and Argentina, two of the countries that Ursula von der Leyen, von der Leyen is visiting, along with Chile, um, Brazil is actually a member of BRICS, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, that group. Um, and Argentina has applied, as has Iran, to be uh, member countries of the BRICS group. How that's going to pan out in terms of the visit uh, Ursula von der Leyen is currently making to Brazil, Argentina and Chile um, remains to be seen. You know what else is cute? We're, we're talking about sanctions. It, watching these developments happen, which are a direct like ricochet of U.S. foreign policy, um, the, the solution to the problem seems to be to double down because they're now threatening India and South Africa with sanctions and China. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, the message that these governments and people have really wanted to show during this tour um, and receiving President Raisi is that they're saying, you know, we're going to overcome the sanctions and the really the persecution for wanting to choose our own independent and sovereign path together. And, you know, we're going to uh, continue to develop 
um, and, uh, you know, see our peoples to a brighter future, regardless of what happens. And we saw shows of solidarity with uh, Iran uh, from Venezuelan youth. It was largely centered among youth who received uh, the president both in Caracas, in a big auditorium, as well as in Nicaragua. And in Caracas, they had signs and, and photos, uh, portraits of uh, General Qasem Soleimani, and, you know, they said solidarity with Iran. So I think that, you know, their policy, the U.S. policy of sanctioning and getting the other countries such as Canada to ramp up more and more sanctions every month against Iran is simply going to be rejected uh, from here forward. And that's, you know, that's what they're showing. Hopefully on the next trip would be, as Stephen said, uh, Brazil and perhaps Bolivia as well. You know, and, and just... Uh What's interesting to me is in the most recent uh, example of uh, Trump's political Tourette's, he actually admitted what the reason was behind the sanctions that were imposed on Venezuela and the various uh, other things that were done. He said, we could have had the oil. And, yeah, and obviously that drives policy with Iran. Yeah, Don, you're right. And, and uh, both... Uh, Daniel Ortega and President Ibrahim Raisi uh, last night, when uh, the ceremony of welcome for President Raisi, both mentioned um, that, and they stressed very strongly that for, from their point of view, the United States is a terrorist country. Um, and and the, the, the illegal coercive measures uh, applied by the United States and its allies demonstrate that. But it was very moving last night that Danielle actually called for a minute of silence for um, General Soleimani um, and, and condemned the assassination in, uh, in the strongest possible terms. That which was Trump's handiwork and the Trump administration's anyway. I'd like to thank you guys again uh, for uh, giving us your time this week and look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Don. For KPFK, I'm Don DeBar. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. Getting help to buy groceries is now simpler than ever with CalFresh. You can apply for CalFresh online, over the phone, or turn in your application at a DPSS office. Then, use your EBT card at stores or order your groceries online and eat healthy. Click, cook, CalFresh. This is the Kingpin Shaheen from legendary Infinity 4FCs giving a shout out to KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, y'all out. But they never take us from Jesus He'll never let them defeat us They know that they'll never beat us God works away on my evil Turn me into a believer You better believe it Put some more time on my meter I cannot wait till we meet them They cannot kill us Stop us or condemn us They want us living like we ain't the winners They keep on trying to tell us They don't ever help us Cause we all a bunch of dirty sinners It go up on my side All this way on my mind Don't you try bring up my past Cause God erased my timeline I'll be fine Ready for what? I put it all up on the line too scared of fighting, go let David kill Goliath. Walk through the valley, but the Lord is by my side. He heard my cry. Hold me down, hold me down, hold me down, hold me down. KBSK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. This is KPFK Rebel Alliance News, and I'm Angela Birdsong. We are in our membership fund drive. We have this special premium of over 1,000 hours. Wrap your ears around the largest and most comprehensive collection of historic audio ever compiled by Pacifica Radio Archives, now available for the very first time on a single 
USB memory drive. For a donation of $250, you will receive Voices That Changed the World. You will want to get one for yourself, your children, grandchildren. And if you're like me, without any children, then you want to give it to your nieces, nephews, next generation cousins, their schools, their parents, your local neighborhood library. To just name a few folks, you want to gift this one-of-a-kind compiled by Pacific Radio Archives audio. Like I said, it's available for the first time. So thirteen over 1,300 hours of meticulous curated audio covering a dozens and dozens of topics that would inspire, challenge, entertain, and educate. A true fulfillment of Pacifica Radio's mission statement. And remember, if you donate at least $25, you will be able to become a member at Pacifica and it will allow you to vote in the very important elections that are coming soon that might determine the future of KPFK. So go to kpfk.org, pledge securely online, or call 818-985-5735 and press number two. Keep the momentum going. And I personally want to thank you. L.A. County Library's annual lunch at the library program returns, providing free, nutritious meals to kids and teens 18 and under during the summer months. Since 2015, L.A. County Library has been offering free lunch to kids and teens during the summer months. While school is not in session, helping to ensure that families have access to wholesome meals. Sky Patrick, L.A. County Library Director, said, quote, This will be the ninth consecutive year we have offered free meals through this program. We know families depend on lunch and snack programs to provide free, nutritious food for their children when they are away from school. And we're excited to once again provide this essential service, end of quote. From June 12th to August 4th, 15 select libraries will be offering lunch on a first-come, first-served basis from 12 to 1 p.m., either Monday through Friday or Tuesday through Friday, depending on the location. Lunch will not be available at any locations on June 19th or July 4th. There are no restrictions on family income. Free meals must be eaten at the library. For more information and the schedule, visit LACountyLibrary.org and search for Summer Lunch. The Apple weather forecast in studio at KPFK 90.7 FM still brings the coolest June weather with 30% chance of rain and thunderstorms tonight at 10 p.m. This weekend will be sunny in the mid to high 70s in North Hollywood. Here are some today's international news from sources outside of the NATO-controlled media sphere with Polina Vasiliev. For KPFK's Rebel Alliance News, here are today's international highlights from sources outside of the NATO-controlled media sphere. NATO's biggest military exercises ever have kicked off in Germany with thousands of soldiers from more than 20 countries and hundreds of aircraft involved. A part of the drills will take place near the Italian border, while most Italians know nothing about them. Max Civili has more. NATO has dubbed it Air Defender 23. It is the biggest deployment exercise ever conducted by the Western Alliance. It will be hosted by Germany and millions of Italians have been kept in the dark about it. The two-week military drill, which involves up to 250 aircraft and 10,000 soldiers from 25 countries, comes as fighting escalates in Ukraine, with former NATO chief Blair Rasmussen warning that NATO members may send troops in the war-torn country. I am afraid the exercise which begins today will only add fuel to the fire at international level. It must be said, however, that a number of countries, including China, Brazil, Indonesia and the Vatican, have been working to promote peace talks. 
NATO's Air Defender 23 exercise began on Monday with an air show in Wunstorf in northern Germany. In the coming days, participants will also train in crisis situations over other flight zones, including a small strip of southern Germany, about 40 minutes away from Italy's border. The Italian mainstream media have chosen not to follow up the story. Here in Italy, we are faced with the subjugation of the media, which will respond to the agenda of NATO and its most powerful member, the US. Italians mostly receive misleading information about the war and are kept in the dark about the real danger of a further escalation. Since the start of the war in Ukraine in February last year, surveys in Italy have been steadily showing that over half of the Italians are against sending more weapons to Kiev. I'm speechless. I'm afraid we have lost our way. I didn't know anything about this exercise in Germany. It feels like this world is no longer a safe place for us. It's awful. I am quite worried. We have seen how our life has worsened since the start of the war. I didn't know about the drill. We have to be cautious. The war in Ukraine is much closer than we imagine. About three weeks ago, Italy's defense minister Guido Crosetto announced Rome will deploy some 3,400 of its troops to the NATO's eastern flank by the end of this year, in addition to about 600 land vehicles and materials, five naval units and about 30 air assets. Although most Italians are against sending weapons to Ukraine, Italy has so far approved seven military support packages inclusive of lethal and non-lethal equipment. Up to this point, providing military support to Ukraine has cost Rome more than 1 billion euros. South Korean fishers have held a rally in front of the National Assembly in the capital, Seoul, to protest Japan's planned discharge of radioactive water from the Fukushima power plant into the ocean. Frank Smith reports. South Korean fishers and their industry leaders rallied across from the National Assembly Monday. They're calling for their government to take stronger action against Japan over the imminent release of nuclear-contaminated water from the Fukushima power plant into the ocean. The South Korean government has not earned the public's trust about whether the contaminated water is safe or how it could affect them. People are anxious and terrified, and the livelihoods of fishermen are threatened. Recent surveys show that more than 85% of South Koreans oppose Japan's contaminated water discharge plan, and 70% will reduce seafood consumption if the release goes ahead. Japan's disposal of radioactive water in the ocean is a disaster that threatens one of the largest ecosystems on Earth and the health of humanity, and nuclear terrorism that destroys the oceans for future generations. Workers at Seoul's largest fish market understand broader policy politics are at play, as the U.S. has encouraged South Korea to mend strained ties with Japan. We're in a position where Japan is kind of pushing us around. Unless we get some support from the U.S. and other influential countries, it doesn't look good. In May, Japan hosted a South Korean inspection team which concluded that more analysis of the discharge plan and its details is necessary. But Japan plans to begin releasing the nuclear contaminated water from the Fukushima plant within the next couple of months. And in South Korea, not only public health, but an industry is at stake. British journalist Kit Clarenberg, known for his high-profile reports on British and U.S. intelligence breaches, was arrested back in May by the U.K.'s counter-terrorism officers upon arriving at London Luton Airport while he was en route to see his family and friends. Threatened with arrest and detained for over five hours, Clarenberg wants more details about why he was targeted. Press TV's Amina Taylor has more. Community. Investigative journalist and regular Press TV contributor Kit Clarenberg is still reeling from the aftermath of his detention by British counterintelligence officers on his arrival into the UK from Serbia on May 17th. The British journalist was subjected to hours of intense interrogation where his political views, non-existent relationship with the Kremlin and other aspects of his investigative reporting were probed. DNA was taken as well as digital devices confiscated. He explained the welcome he received from security personnel on his arrival. 
and they immediately asked me to come with them and told me that I was being detained under the 2019 Prevention of, of, uh, of Terrorism Act and um, Schedule 3. I think this is the very first time that the, this power has been used um, against a journalist in history. Um, it is a sweeping power that provides for all sorts, uh, grants the police all sorts of powers um, while robbing the in, you know, the individual on the receiving end of it of every conceivable right um, under the sun, including a right to silence. Um, I would have been arrested if I refused to answer any of their questions uh, or indeed hand over the passwords to my digital devices. Um, so, I mean, you know, that's, uh, yes, a, um, a, a not particularly pleasant welcome back to the UK. Unfortunately, there is more troubling news ahead for other journalists who refuse to toe the party line. It's really quite remarkable and, and, and disturbing. And, you know, the UK is currently, there is a, a what's called the National Security Bill is set to come into, into force uh, very, very soon. And this effectively criminalises all sorts of journalism and you know, the, even the possession of, of, uh, of sensitive material. Um, so, you know, what the legal ramifications are for me personally and indeed, um, you know, the Grey Zone and all manner of other um, uh, 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 publications that are, you know, daring to um, uh, uh, to uh, uh, break with the narrative, so to speak, um, is anyone's guess. Again, I don't think anyone, any of the answers are good. So, yeah, I mean, to an extent, it does make sense. It's something that I kind of figured would happen if I ever returned to the UK. Um, but equally, the, the sheer extent of it, like, really... Um, uh, through me, and I'm still, still to a large extent reeling. Authorities in the West are using increasing scare tactics in an attempt to intimidate journalists who are critical of their activities into either compliance or silence. We need only look at the inhumane, despicable and unjust treatment of WikiLeaks co-founder Julian Assange to see just how far they're prepared to go. The Assange reference is not lost on Kit. The frequent references to his journalism made it clear this was the reason for his detention. What, you know, worried about um, uh, whether, you know, the next article I write is going to land me in jail. Um, that, you know, that's something that's, you know, that you, you by definition have to think about, even though to my mind I've done nothing wrong. Um, I have reported on facts. They just happen to be inconvenient facts from the perspective of the British government. Clarenberg and his supporters are urging a probe into his detention and raising awareness so others avoid a similar fate. And that's all in today's international highlights from non-NATO media. For KPFK, I'm Paulina Vasiliev. KPFK, Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. What it is, KPFK, I'm Angela Birdsong, and here is your Rebel Alliance News Community Calendar. We have several Juneteenth events coming up this week and during the weekend. And the Voices That Changed the World USB Stick Premium for $250 with over 1,000 hours also covers black history with a comprehensive collection of black voices in celebration of black history with studies of black power, black panthers, blacks in Hollywood, black poets, and black authors. You will hear from Huey Newton, Rosa Parks, Paul Robeson, Nelson Mandela, Billie Holiday, John Coltrane, and many more. Your special premium for $250 donation compiled by Pacifica Radio Archives will help bring and celebrate Juneteenth in your home. Sunday, June 18th, come out to Africatown and Lamert Park for the Juneteenth Independence Revolution Commemoration. Hear from the frontline organizations who are fighting for better conditions and Black A. The Juneteenth Independence Revolution is a free event for the entire family. Sunday, June 18th, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Africatown and Lamert Park, 4333, 43rd place. And the next day in Africatown and Lamert Park, the Juneteenth Festival 2023 to celebrate black freedom by honoring the ancestors and our community through art, music, food, and education. Monday, June 19th, 12 p.m. to 9 p.m. Keep it 100, Juneteenth Run Walk in partnership with Nike and L.A. City Council member Heather Hutt and others. This 5K run and one-mile walk will coincide with the opening of the historic New Orleans Corridor, celebrating the migration of Creole families from New Orleans to Los Angeles. Meet up Saturday, June 17th, 8.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at Leslie in Shaw Park, 2223 West Jefferson Boulevard, 
in Jefferson Park. Find details on Instagram under keepitrun100 or nike.com forward slash experiences and click Los Angeles as your city. As you heard earlier in today's news broadcast, Transmedia and Let's Behold presents the YUC Multimedia Arts Exhibit, Healing the Legacy of Slavery Through the Arts. And this is going to be taking place during Juneteenth weekend, June 16th to the 18th at ArtShare LA 801 East 4th Place in the Arts District in downtown Los Angeles with the opening reception on Friday, June 16th. And the exhibit hours are Friday and Saturday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sunday, 2 to 5 p.m. Check out LegacyOfSlavery.com for updates. During Seclavia, South L.A. on Sunday, June 18th on Vermont Avenue from Exposition to Century Boulevard, you can jog, ride, bike, skate, run, walk, skateboard, spectate, enjoy the route however you want from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This event will also feature a third annual Juneteenth celebration and resource fair brought to you by the Los Angeles County Supervisor Holly J. Mitchell at Century Boulevard and Western Avenue. Also, Community Coalition will celebrate Black and Brown Dads as part of the Ciclavia South L.A. at the corner of 81st and Vermont with a photo booth from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. For details about Ciclavia, which is a free event, go to Ciclavia. Dot org. Come and rally for access with Alzheimer's impact improve Im- impact movement to urge the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to change its policy and expand access to FDA-approved Alzheimer's treatments. Tuesday, June 20th, 11 a.m., for the opening reception at Belmont Village, Westwood Community, 10475 Wilshire Boulevard. At 11.45 a.m., march to the Federal Building at 1100 Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. 12.10 to 1 p.m., program and rally at the Federal Building. Standing for Black Girls is holding a press conference calling for more funding and support for black women and girl-focused prevention, education, mental health, and direct services. The press conference is Thursday, June 22nd, 10 a.m. at L.A. City Council District's 8th Constituent Service Center, 8745 Vermont Avenue in Los Angeles. Check out womensleadershipla.org for more info. Coming to Catalina Jazz Club in Hollywood is a tribute to Barbara Morrison with the Sam Hatkins Project. Barbara Morrison's Boo Crew Band and special guest Margaret Love, Thursday, June 22nd. For more details, go to CatalinaJazzClub.com. The Virginia Beckett Food Pantry of Inglewood First United Methodist Church will be passing out bags of groceries Thursday, June 15th from 9.45 a.m. to 12 noon at 304 East Spruce Avenue in Inglewood. This is a monthly community event with the third Thursday of every month. Please stop by if you or someone you know is in need of food. Another food, uh, free community food giveaway monthly every third Saturday, June 17th from 10 a.m. to noon or until supplies are exhausted. Please share with anyone who may be in need of fresh fruits and vegetables. The address is 1215 East Rubido in Wilmington. Check out covenantblessing.org for details. Well, Mr. Ernest Krim III, a black history advocate who uses history to empower, educate, and create equitable systems, shares a history lesson with us today. I said, name five white people in American history who fought against racism and slavery. And I want y'all to think about that because have there been five people? Yes. (laughs) Way more than five. Thousands. And I would ask you as a follow-up question, why can't you name them then? Because if we are to live in a society that is supposed to be anti-racist, meaning something that we create that benefits all people, not someone more than others, then we should know about people who have been fighting for years and years and years. We should know about Reverend Bruce Clunder, who was a white guy who was protesting school segregation in Ohio, and he, in Ohio, is considered the North. He laid his body down in front of a bulldozer in the 1960s to protest school segregation and died. 
We should probably know about Ann McCarty Braden, who organized with Rosa Parks, and she helped organize white Southerners to join the civil rights movement. And to go against redlining, which was systemic ghettoization, she bought a house in her name for a black couple who could not buy a home in the neighborhood they wanted to go to. It's a lot of people. Reverend James Reeb, who marched with Dr. King. We don't often talk about John Brown is probably the most infamous one. But even beyond him, there are so many other folks, even during the period of enslavement. What that means is we can never say they were a product of their time. Not necessarily. They were a product of peer pressure. Think about it that way. Because we know deep down inside when something is right or wrong. General Lee in the Confederate Army, he has a descendant, Robert E. Lee, he has a descendant right now who's a pastor, white guy, who's anti-racist. Was that an easy thing to do? No, because he got kicked out of his church congregation because of that. But it was a bold thing to do. So when we talk about miseducation, it ain't just like, dang, black people, y'all ain't learning your history. White folks, y'all not learning your history. KBSK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. Well, it is our fun drive, our membership drive, and it's very important, very important that you guys participate in being a member at KPFK. A donation of $25 gives you the right to vote in our elections. For a donation of $250, you'll get the right to vote and the Voices That Changed the World premium USB flash drive that has over 1,000 hours of historical speeches of revolutionaries, activists, uh, visionaries, just too many people to name. Um, you know, it, it covers women's history, black history, religious studies, um, contains audio books, Grammy restored recordings, and so much more. And that, that student free speech movement. Like I said earlier, you will want to, you know, get one for yourself, for your children, your grandchildren. Um, if you're like me, without any children, you get it for, for your little cousins, your nieces, your nephews, etc., etc. All righty. Well, you know, our brand is our mission. We are a progressive media outlet, challenging corporate media perspectives and providing a voice to voiceless community. KPFK brings the best of the best of Los Angeles community, engaged leaders who fight for the voiceless and gives a voice to the voiceless. So make sure you go to kpfk.org and pledge. Call 818-985-5735. I'm Angela Birdsong, and you're listening to KPFK Rebel Alliance News. Thanks to our engineer, Wendell Handy, and all Rebel Alliance News contributors. We hope you will join us again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Until then, let all that you do be done with love. Have a great evening, Los Angeles. And coming up next is Feminist Magazine. This is KPFK 90.7 FM, Los Angeles.